This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We appreciate James Hamm uh, for being here with us, uh, fresh off of Sacramento Kings shoot-around. I had mentioned uh, P.J. Dozer. We didn't really get to dive into that 10-day contract. Um, First, your thoughts on the player. We have a lot of thoughts on the signing. We have a lot of thoughts on the roster, to be honest with you, James, that uh, we want to throw out you at you throughout the day, but I know you got a chance to talk to to PJ today. What was your takeaway from that? Yeah, I mean, I think my biggest takeaway is just the conversations I've had around the team over the last few days is that the Kings basically have 30 days here to tinker with that that 15th roster spot that they opened mm-hmm. up when they they waived Chima Muneki, and so I think that that's good. That you know, if there a trade comes. Just because you sign a guy to a 10-day contract doesn't mean he has to play out the full 10 days. You can waive him at any time. It's really a budget signing. If uh, P.J. Dozier works out and they sign him to a second 10-day and if he continues to work out and we pass the trade deadline, maybe he is a player that sticks around for the rest of the year just because he is a six foot six wing, like a 2-3 that can really defend multiple positions. He's got... You know, six eleven wingspan for six foot six guys got good athleticism, and uh, you know why not kick the tires on someone like this when you're having some guys that you're giving minutes to that are struggling, and they might be struggling because they haven't got enough opportunity. They might be struggling because their offensive game isn't working. But whatever it is, this team is horrendous defensively right now. Mm-hmm. They're just so bad over the last ten games, over the last fifteen games, and you got to figure out a way to to rein it in, to get people who are ready to defend on a nightly basis. And the Kings just haven't been able to do that. Do you um, do you see like him playing, P.J. Dozer, playing right away, and, you know, getting in the rotation? Or, you know, is this um, is this just like a look and practice or something like that? How do, how do you see this playing out? Yeah, I think there's a, a possibility that he plays. there. I don't know, like major minutes – but he's never been a player that's played major minutes, you know, like even for Denver two years ago, I think he played 50 games and averaged around 20 minutes a game. And I think people, you know, he's played for Jordy Fernandez for a long time. He played three years with Jordy. And so he knows exactly what Jordy expects. He knows what to, how to get on the court mm-hmm. because Jordy lays out the expectation, just like Michael Malone, Malone did, uh, just like Mike Brown will. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's a, it's bringing in someone who's familiar with your system. He's shooting 35.3% from three at the G League level this year. He's played really well at the G League. He's proved that he's healthy again. He's still young. He knows a lot of the players on this team because he's around their draft class. So he played in high school like at 
high school tournaments against uh, Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox even played on their teams at some points during uh, like some of the tournament stuff, you know, when they go to camps and all that. So he has some familiarity with, with the whole thing. And I, I don't know that he's going to step in and be a difference maker, but I do know that, you know, we talked about it last week. You need better players at some point. You need guys that can actually, that aren't just good defensive players, but are good defensive players that can play 15 to 20 minutes a night at the NBA level and really help your team win. And I think, you know, what I think what might stand out about this signing to a lot of people is, you know, be it a 10-day or not, this isn't the backup center position that we've talked about for the last few weeks. This isn't a big or a stretch four. This is essentially like Terrence Davis's replacement. Like watching, you know, watching that game against the Lakers, we talked to like Terrence Davis may never step on the floor for a Kings again for the Kings again. He was just he he was timid. He 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 wasn't aggressive offensively uh, when he checked in. This was without Malik Monk's availability. Like I, this just feels like he's really he Mike Brown has really lost confidence in a lot of guys on his bench. Um, I, I don't know if it's a lot of guys. But certainly, it, Terrence Davis looks like he's one of those guys that, you know, I, I don't even know if you can say Mike Brown's lost confidence as much as you can say that Terrence Davis lost, lost confidence. That's and, fair. Yeah. Is it fair to blame Mike Brown for that? Uh, maybe, maybe not, though, because, you know, like I remember we kept getting these incredible video clips of Mike Brown coaching Terrence Davis on the sidelines, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't get those anymore because Terrence Davis doesn't play. But it was every single game, Terrence is doing something that they've gone over again and again and again in practice that he's doing wrong. And that's why he keeps pulling him over and coaching him up and trying to, like, embolden him to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And it's really frustrating. I think when you see – and I think it it goes into a deeper discussion about Mike Brown. So, like, Saturday night, Saturday night, Mike Brown ran – Keegan Murray over with a bus in postgame. Yeah. I was completely surprised by that. Like, that's not something he's done before. And he was on him on the sidelines a lot in well, that game, too. I thought that in the game, Keegan Murray made a really nice, like, effort defensively. There was, uh, he took two charges that were huge, which is something that Mike Brown has been talking about nonstop. But he took two charges against LeBron James. I mean, that's a 270, 280-pound man running you over. That doesn't feel good. I thought that that was great. He had two steals. I thought there were points early in the game where he was making a difference defensively. But Mike Brown kept bringing it up in postgame. The weak side help is so bad for this team. Whatever it is, they are not providing any support at all for Demonis Sabonis. And he's getting hung out to dry again, just like he was early in the season where the guards and the Fords are letting players get into the box and get Sabonis in foul trouble. And they've got to figure out a way to provide more resistance. And, you know, they tried it with uh, Casey Apollo. They tried it with a couple of different people, you know, like it just kept, Mike Brown just kept throwing guys in there. But when you bring up the the backup uh, center position, I mean, it's, it's a need for sure, but I don't still think it's the biggest need on this team. The biggest need on this team is for these guys to play defense for somebody to step up. And if they can't do it, then you have to find somebody else that can. And again, I asked Mike about that as well. Like, you know, is it a point where these guys, you're just to a point where these guys can't do it and you got to go find someone else or, and he said, no, I I, like they've proven they can do it for spurts, Mm -hmm. but they've got to be able to do it for 48 minutes for 82 games. And they haven't figured that out yet. 
and that's partially because the, these guys haven't been in this position. And I get that, but man, the been in what position? The position to be good, the position to succeed, you know, the position to have to worry about playing 48 minutes for the defense because you're playing for something. And, you know, again, Mike Brown is fighting against a lot of things here. The history of this team, we act like, oh, it wasn't these guys that did it. But it is. It is De'Aaron Fox. It is Harrison Barnes. It is Rashawn Holmes that have been here for four or five years. So you are fighting against. But it's not Tabonta Sabonis and Kevin Herter and Keegan Murray. Well, yeah, but if you're not playing on a string, you're in trouble. You know, and I think that that's that's a big deal. Like if everyone isn't moving together and see, here's the deal. If you think about it this way, when he's talking about the weak side help, basically, if if Sabonis needs to rotate over because your guard or your forward is getting beat on one side, there's supposed to be a backfill behind him with a guy on the opposite side, Keegan Murray, flying over to to try to help. And then behind him, him. Someone else is rotating to catch that corner shooter the whole time. So that's why we're seeing Harrison Barnes with like second and third efforts trying to rush out to the, the corner and, and you know, at least give some resistance on a three-point shot. Mm-hmm. Just that help isn't coming fast enough. It's not, it's not actually being productive at all. Instead of helping, um, he's getting there late, and then he's standing there in the key with nothing to do because a lot of times the ball's going in. But then the other problem is, and this is why Mike Brown called out Keegan Murray specifically, like he he basically did the Derek Williams thing, which is what George Carl said, even a Coke machine could get more than one rebound in 30 minutes of play. You know, and that's, you know, we've seen this with this team. Keegan Murray played 30 minutes, had zero rebounds. That's unacceptable on every level. And for that matter, Harrison Barnes played 36 minutes and had two rebounds. Mike let him off the hook because he said he's, he was defending LeBron James a bunch who's on the perimeter, and I call BS on that and just tell you that LeBron James took six three-point shots, and he had 28 shots. That team got scored on in the post again and again and again. There were moments where Harrison Barnes was in the key tracking down LeBron James just like everyone else was. And so like, I think there comes a point where, as a coach, you do kind of lose it on some players and you need to you think about it. You're like, okay, I've tried to pull them aside. I've tried to have conversations where cameras are watching. I've tried to have a different coach work with them. I've tried to have, you know, watch more film, whatever it is. Now it's time I go lambast somebody and make sure that they understand that I'm not going to put up with that stuff and they're going to hear it through the media as well. So I, I think he's at that point. I mean, and his defensive metrics say that he should be at that point. Hmm. So many things going on. Yeah, I got There's so many things <laughs> going on. Tell. So many things going on in, in my head right now. But my first thing, and I think Mike Brown has done a heck of a job um, this season with this group and, and fostering an environment here. Um, but there, there also – I think there also has to be in, – in, maybe he's doing it. I, we, we don't know if he's not. But there also has to be a – I don't have the guys that can do the things that I'm asking them to do. Like That's not the personnel that I have. I don't have Andrew Wiggins, Gary Payton II, Draymond Green, and Kevon Looney. So I can't ask them to play the same type of defense as they would. I don't even have the same length that, that I had there so they can cover more ground and things of that nature. So getting mad and, and looking at 
you know, benching people and calling them out in the media for things that they just, that's not their strength. That's like, that's almost like saying, uh, man, why doesn't Casey Akpala just average 15 points a game? Like, that's not, it's not who he is. Yeah, but Keegan Murray averaged eight and a half rebounds a game in college. He's averaging 3.7 right now. Uh, well, yeah, on, yeah, just him specifically and what he's doing. Yeah, you, yeah. Could, you could ask for more, but I think it's, it goes into to everything. And I just wonder if, and I trust Mike Brown. I'm sure he is doing it. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if he's looked at it like, all right, what do I need to do? Like, am I putting my guys in the best position to succeed? Or am I trying to force how I think things should be done on a group of guys that don't have the skill set to execute it night in and night out? Yeah, I, I think what Mike is fighting is this question of, do I just have a team that's, horrific defensively and I just have to outscore everybody and he's saying I am refusing to do that and I get it I I I understand that like you go into a game against the Lakers and like some of the stats from that game are crazy but I I saw what they were trying to do like they were trying to sag off of uh of Thomas Bryant and, and make sure that Domas was uh was sort of blocking the entire paint uh, so so they wouldn't get downhill and, and to the rim all the time on the Kings. But then Thomas Bryant turns around and hits every freaking jump shot that ever was. You're just like, when did this guy become like Tim Duncan? Like, I, I don't understand what's happening. He hit every single shot. And so when they made that adjustment, it just opened the floodgates. And they just got pounded in the key. I mean, the stat that the Lakers didn't hit a three-point shot in the second half that's crazy. Mm. Like, why aren't you running a zone the whole time then? Just clog everything. Just run a zone mm-hmm. if that's what's happening. But, you know, you, you got to keep trying to get better each and every day. And uh, I think right now th- this team is just, they're they're teetering. They're either, I mean, they're in every single game for the most part. Mm-hmm. And either they're winning by one point or they're losing by two or three points. And either way, they understand that they can't keep losing, especially at home. These home losses that are like starting to stack up, it's bad news and they know it. This week this week's gotta be three and all. This week has to be three and all. It's just yeah. like it is what it is. Like if it's not three and all, then you're not you have I need to start questioning whether you're a different team than the teams in the past. Because the teams in the past, they wouldn't handle business here. And if you don't handle business, like you, if we're being honest, haven't really handled business in the last two weeks, yeah. I could, like I could be making the argument right now that you're not who I thought you were. But I'm still like, nah, this team is different. It's a different group of guys. But if three and zero in this situation, the sense of urgency that you have, if you if you can't execute that here, I gotta, I gotta question like what what I what I thought earlier. Yeah, we talked about the nine game stretch that started with Utah in Utah and that they had to win. I thought they had to go nine, uh, seven and two. Well, they already got the two losses. So like you got one win. I, I don't know if this team can rattle off six straight right now. They're just not playing well. And that happens sometimes. And I also, I'll say this too, the, the Lakers game, I really think they missed Malik Monk. Malik Monk has been mm-hmm. sort of their inspirational. Like he's the guy who brings energy off the bench. I asked him about that this morning. I just how much you think your team missed it, and he goes like, "When I'm here, I don't really feel it." But he's like, but "When I was watching, I was like, oh, I see it now. I see what I have to do, where I have to be for this team, and how I have to bring that that different type of energy." And you know, at the, at the end of the day, like 
they got to figure it out. They're they're just floating around 500 here for quite a while. You know, I think over their last what 16, 18 games are like a game or two under 500. They they've got to figure it out. The seven game win streak is the difference in the season, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. If not, you know, like Sean always says on the pod, they're they're a 500 team, right? But then we they started to convince us that they were a good team. I wasn't buying it yet. I like a lot of people were like, "Oh, I think I think they're actually going to be good." I was like, "Okay, like I need to see more and and I need to see how they deal with not only adversity, but how they deal with success because that's right now what it feels like. They're not dealing with adversity. They're dealing with their own belief in their success. Mm. And they they weren't able to embrace this success and and play through it. I mean, how many times do you get four games under 500? I mean, over 500 and can't get that fifth win. Like, embrace it, man. Just go for it. Well, you know, you know, it's hilarious. I said they got to go three and zero this week. You know what would happen if they went three and zero? Maybe five games over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't five know if it's happening. Five hundred. <laughs> yeah. The elusive mark. You're listening to D'Lo and KC along with James Ham here on KIFM West Sacramento, ninety-eight point five FM KRX QHD two Sacramento. ESPN 1320, driven by our friends over at Lasher's Elk Grove Dodge, always live on the free Odyssey app. You can watch the show as well on Facebook Live, on YouTube.com slash ESPN 1320, and on Twitch. You mentioned Malik Monk. Probably goes without saying, but worth repeating. Uh, Malik Monk in today. Yeah, he said he's 100%. And and he actually— a dramatic I, turnaround. I, I think <laughs> gracious. No, Delivered. I think he could have played on Saturday, and okay. Mike Brown finally said, like, look, the guy's dinged up. He, he had the wrist injury, and— um, I talked to somebody and they said, man, his wrist was totally swollen there. They were shocked that he played that day. Then it moved into his shoulder and then he, we show up and he's got something, you know, shocking his calf mm. and he's just got a bunch of bumps and bruises. And again, we're talking about a player that is being asked to take on a different level of responsibility. And it's one thing when you're on a team that has no aspirations or has no chance, even like last year, the Lakers, like that wasn't a good team, right? He got a bunch of minutes on a on a pretty bad Lakers team. Well, this is different. Like every single game matters, every play matters. Like it's a it's the intensity of this season is something that some of these players have to make an adjustment to. And so far, I think they've done an okay job of doing it. But in order to get over the hump and to be the team they want to be, this is it right now. Because if you don't, you talked about they've got to go three and zero this week. Man, Orlando is tough. Mm-hmm. And they're tough matchups across the board. Paolo Bancaro is playing out of his mind. Uh, Franz Wagner is absolutely spectacular for them. Mm-hmm. Like, should have drafted him. Should yeah, have. yeah, have. yeah. This Bad is a, by money. a really, really tough team. And you can't just walk in and think that you're going to win. And then you get to Houston. Houston is so athletic and fast and fun. They're bad, but that doesn't mean that they can't sneak up and bite you especially when you play them twice in span of three days these are games that you have to win they're not like i don't think there are must-win games in january Mm -mm. but if they don't win right now they will not make the playoffs because i think every king king's game is a must win (laughs) <laughs> like it feels like every game that they yeah. play, like they have to win. Yeah, because they don't pull away. They they never do. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> they would have took care of business a week and a half ago. We'll see that. I got, be as imperative. Aha, <laughs> aha. That reminds me, because I think James said something along the same lines. We were talking. You talking about pulling away? Talking about creating separation with the rest of these teams in the in the in the in the other spots. And you know, you've got the 
You've got the, uh, uh, the, the the Suns losing a ton of games, Clippers losing a ton of games. I think each of them have lost six straight. But you look right now, Denver, Memphis, New Orleans, Dallas, Sacramento, and the Los Angeles Clippers. Those are the standings right now on January 9th. Um, I know I know both of you, and, and I and I understand this line of thinking. So I want to go back. I'm, I'm, I want to go back to the end of last season. Phoenix, Memphis, Golden State, Dallas, Utah, and Denver. Those were the top six last year. Again, Phoenix, Memphis, Golden State, Dallas, and Utah. You go back one year to the day. You go back January 9th last year. The standings. Golden State, Phoenix, Utah, Memphis, Dallas, and Denver. It's the same six teams. The same six teams, a little, little, little change in the order, but the same six teams that were in the uh, top six last year on January 9th are the same six teams that were in the top six at, at the end of the season. I think we're overblowing this, turning things on, and, and veteran teams are going to do this, veteran teams are going to do that. I don't know that that's necessarily true. Some of these teams just might not be good enough. But the Lakers are playing impressive ball right now. Are they going to be able to maintain that? Are they going to amplify it when Anthony Davis comes back? Is Anthony Davis going to get the Elijah Mitchell treatment where he comes back and he's right back out? What if something happens to LeBron James? What if happens to, something happens to one of the most critical role players? Right? We're all waiting for Devin Booker to come back. Okay, Devin Booker comes back. Are we sure that that Phoenix Suns team is fixable? Oh, Kawhi Leonard and, 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 and Paul George, they're taking like three-quarters of the season off. Okay. They're taking three-quarters of the season off. How much of a move are they going to make before this is all over? I think we're overblowing this a, a, a little bit too much. Kings, as as James just laid out right there, 500 over the last, what you say, a game below 500 over the last, what, like 16? 16. And they're yeah. still in the fifth spot. At two games over 500, they're still in the fifth spot. Now, we could, we could try to predict how this season is going to turn out based on some of the teams that are behind them. But that just might not be the makeup of this season. It might not be. But I, last year were their teams as good as the, the Warriors and potentially as good as what the Lakers are in those outside of six spots? It was this, this, this day last year, the Lakers fell out of the top six. Mm-hmm. And we saw yeah, the direction yeah. that they went. Right. Yeah, they went in a completely different direction. They were descending. And right. I, I would yeah. say they're ascending. And the, I think- it, it, Minnesota – no, because Minnesota, like there was, I don't know if there's a team as good. It, it, like I just, but I also don't know. I don't know that the Lakers are good. I I know that I they're still, playing better. Golden State, yeah, okay. Like you're, you're you're playing ball. Like Steph Curry's coming back. Great. You got in this position. Steph Curry was playing. Mm-hmm. I, I we're 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 projecting of what all these teams are going to do. But right now, this is a. This is a big sample size we have of the NBA season. We're 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 approaching the literal midway point. Mm-hmm. Not the All-Star game midway point, but the literal midway point. And this just might be who these teams are. It, it might be. It, it might it might be. I don't think they are. I think the Clippers will be better. I think the Warriors will be better. So even if those two are better and say the Kings get knocked out, I mean, you're still in the plan. I don't I don't believe the Kings fall to 11th this year I don't believe they're that type of team so they'll be in some type of postseason situation but just looking at the Kings and not looking at necessarily the rest of the West it feels like right now is your opportunity 
to at least create a bit of a buffer. And you're failing to do that. It feels like all you you need is, and maybe the Kings had theirs, is the one win streak. The frustrating thing is the one win streak has put the Kings two games under 500. Dallas or two games above 500, excuse me. Dallas's one win streak has put them five games above 500 mm-hmm. because they've essentially been the same thing. Yeah. Outside of that win streak, they've been up, they've been down, they've been up, they've been down, they've been up, they've been down the entire season. But they've got that win streak to hang their hat on. The Kings win streak just puts them two games above 500. If you could just string together three, get to the elusive five games above 500. You know, maybe maybe that can do it. I just but the 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 point in all of that was I I I don't think that mad rush of teams is coming. There's probably a couple of teams to watch, but again, Phoenix ain't one of them. And, and that's what I mean. Phoenix. But my concern, Phoenix. are we sold that Golden State is one? Yeah, but right. my concern, we look at all of this. We look where the Kings are at right now. They have 20 wins right now. Uh, the Utah Jazz, who are the 12th seed. Also have twenty wins. They got twenty three losses though. But it doesn't <laughs> like matter. You still got to win make up games. Wins. Yeah, but you can make up wins. You can't make up losses. No, I, I get that. I get that. But the Kings are like so dangerously close. If they don't take care of business over these next six games and build some sort of buffer against sub five hundred teams, they're not going to be anywhere near the five six. They might be able to hold on for a ten. A nine ten, but if you want to actually be a playoff team, which a play-in team is not a playoff team, if you want to be a playoff team, one of the eight teams that go on to a seven-game series, this is this might be it right now. Where if you mm-hmm. can't get these wins against sub five hundred teams at home, you're in trouble. Yeah. Saturday was so frustrating because it wasn't just LeBron. If LeBron beat your ass, LeBron, yeah. like what do you? Oh, great! Good for you, Sacramento. You're on, you're on a you're on a very accomplished list here. Mm-hmm. The problem is everything else. The fact that they legitimately scored at will. The fact that we're up at the stupid draft lounge watching the Lakers dunk every other possession, score in the you know uh, lay it up, every just scoring at the basket with ease. It felt like the whatever semblance of growth or maybe hope on the defensive end, got obliterated by the Los Angeles Lakers on Saturday. And and we're back to whatever the hell. We're back to two dribbles. We're back to not knowing. <laughs> I don't know if they're doing my game plan. I don't know. We're back to the Luke Walton era. Well, and that brings up a good point, too, because Kamara talked about um, it's on the players. And I agree with Kamara. I absolutely agree with Kamara. I've said that since this show started. However... It was very – I was a one-man wolf pack because everybody said, Luke Walton, it's his job as coach to teach these guys, put them in position, to have them ready, and all this other stuff. I disagree. I like They got to play better defense as players. But it was Luke Walton's fault when they couldn't stop nobody before. Now the players got to do better instead of Mike Brown needs to do a better job of having these guys ready. Well, is the difference that we, we, we saw them play better defense this year. Yeah, and maybe, I mean, this still isn't a may, great defensive unit. And maybe but, the players just stepped up for that moment. 
Not the coaches did anything different. Well, it, I don't know how we would ever answer this question then. I'd also say I think it's the players all the time. That's that's how I would answer it. I'd also say that this team has looked okay defensively against bad teams. Against good teams, they have not looked okay. And their offensive efficiency against good defensive teams drops substantially, which makes their defense worse. That's where you get your transition buckets. That's where you start giving up offensive rebounds, all that stuff. You know, we talk about um, just, you know, Keegan Murray averaging 3.7 rebounds a game. The Kings are still second or third in the league in defensive rebounding percentage because they have Sabonis, but also because they had done other things. And, like, it, it feels like there is, someone fails in almost game, every game, and you're hoping that, like, a couple of guys step up and succeed mm-hmm. outside of Fox and Sabonis, who have just been very consistent and, and very solid for this team, outside of a couple of games for Fox there in the middle. But... You know, you have to have all of these guys figure out how to step up on the defensive end each and every night. It can't be, you know, here and there. It, it mm-hmm. just can't be. And how many games in a row are we looking at, you know, a team giving up? I think the Hawks had four guys with 20 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, and, and now we're looking at the Lakers, who I think had four guys with 20 points as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, they did uh, between Bryant and LeBron and uh, Russ and um, Dennis Schroeder. So, like, it is, it's everyone getting beat. It's not the one guy putting up 50 points and beating you. It's everybody. And you got to figure out a way to get around that. You got, you know, the the scheme itself is solid. It's proven in the past that it can win, but it only works if everyone is moving together. Just like the offensive side, we've seen how beautiful basketball works with this team when everything is moving, 30 assist games, 37 assist games. Well, it's the same thing on the defensive end. Everyone has to move together, and they just haven't figured it out. The the at the end of the day, you know, we talk about like even I question. You no, know, Mike Brown needs to do this and this and that. And man, these players, it's it's, it's always going to be on them, in my opinion. It's always going to be on them. We talk about Terrence Davis, and he needs to empower Terrence Davis. Terrence Davis needs to empower himself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he needs to look in the mirror and be like, hey. What can I do to get myself out of a funk if I'm playing four minutes or 34 minutes? You know, Keegan Murray, he's got to get boards. They've got to defend. Those guys have to defend better. I don't care what Mike Brown says to them or scheme he comes up with. They've got to get better. They've got to have a level of personal pride to say, man, the Los Angeles Lakers saw 61% from the field on 61%. Like, that's not good enough. We, we got to do something, whether I'm a guard and I got to say, I got to buckle down, I got to stay in my stance a little bit more, or I need to communicate on the switches and whatever the case may be. There's only so much that that coaching staff can do for those guys until they get out there on the court. They've got to figure out a way while they're out there to to play much better than what they have on the defensive end. Yeah, and, and you look at the team they're playing against tonight in Orlando, and this is a team that they beat, right? Um, early in the season on a a three pointer at the like near the buzzer in overtime, um, I think they gave up seventy eight points in the paint that night, yep. which was startling. That's if you can't figure out how to seal off the paint, you're just gonna get killed. We we looked at the number earlier. They were down twenty in that game, mm-hmm. and the number of threes Orlando hit was four. Total for the game? Four threes in that game and had a 20 point lead against Sacramento. Whew. Yeah. Mm. One of my first time, uh, one of my first games um, 
like my first year, Denver came in against the Kings, and I think they scored 90 or 92 points in the paint, and they, they finished with like 108 points, but like 12 of them came at the free throw line. I think they had one three-point make and one jumper, uh, mid-range jumper at the entire game. Everything else was points in the paint. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like the Kings haven't been here before historically. Um, but, you know, again, I, I don't even think it's that you don't have a shot blocker. That doesn't even matter. The problem that you have is that the guards and the forwards are letting everyone through. Like their rotation itself is just, it's not working. What they're doing on the perimeter is not working. And teams are, are getting past their guards. I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, De'Aaron Fox has done a perfectly fine job on most nights playing defense. Like I watched him fighting through screens. I watched him staying with Schroeder, even like the the horrible call at the end of the game where they called him for the body. That was a joke. Playing, he had nowhere to go. Like his hands were back. He didn't make any like unnecessary uh, contact for the NBA to not only give him that shot with two seconds left in a game, a deciding basket, but then on top of that, look at it on review and stick with the call. That's that's not a call you can make in the final seconds. But and then I, confirm it in the two-minute report. Yeah, and then confirm it, of course, of course. Um, well, they would never not confirm something that had already. That's been what I mean. Like minutes. this, this the last two-minute report has become a circus. Oh, it's a it's a joke. It's uh, horrible for everybody. The Keegan Murray play is always the one that's going to be like you're saying he made contact. We watched the video ten times. He does not touch Laurie Marketing yeah. at all. He does not make contact with him. And you said in this, and you attached the video to it, in which you you don't. He does not make contact and on the like, kickout, right? The what kickout. What are we play. watching? Yeah, the yeah. kickout play. The kickout yeah. play. Yeah. Like and and go back through, you know, the kickout. It can be a flagrant. Mm-hmm. Right. Call it after the fact. Tag one on to him after. It doesn't feel which any they better. did last night, by the way, to somebody. They they you. It's there's press. Like it happens regularly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Calls are upgraded. Like, Carson? look, I'm not going to put it on. Yeah. I'm not going to put it on the officials in, in most of these games, but in that particular moment where Fox is, you know, Fox doesn't get that call. He he just doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like, and for that matter, he didn't get the call on the half court heave where Russell Westbrook clearly hits his elbow. Like, and, and the three the the um, two minute report actually concedes that he makes yep. contact. Well. That's not there's marginal contact. There's no I marginal the contact term. with the elbow. It's either he didn't touch him or it's a foul. That's the way it goes. So for <laughs> that play specifically, but I think my point that I was trying to get to though was that I think Fox is playing really well defensively. I, I don't think he's playing outstanding or like lockdown great defense, but I think he's been solid. I think that Kevin Herter for stretches plays really solid defense. I I think that that Harrison Barnes for stretches plays really solid. You bring in Davion Mitchell, he plays really solid. We see Casey Paula out there fighting. The problem is that if you're not all moving together, it does not matter how good someone is doing individually. And that's just the way it is. They're getting caught on switches. They're getting caught on mismatches. Uh, good teams or veteran teams know how to beat them up, and it, it's just a matter of time before they get the right switch. How many shots in that Lakers game do you remember coming down to the final two seconds of the shot clock. How many times against Memphis when they lost did they get a defensive stop and then give up an offensive rebound to Steven Adams and have to go right back to playing defense? Well, we discredit the fact that they got three or four defensive stops in one play 
couldn't get the rebound, but still, like, there are moments where this team does play defense. It's just they're not all playing together at one time. And even with all that said, and both of you guys are right, everything that you guys said is right. We talk about tonight's game. Um, the Magic, they present certain problems. I still, like I said, if they don't take care of business this week, then I must have to start questioning myself about who I think they are. Yeah. This week hasn't happened yet. So I still think they're better than Orlando and these guys coming up. They have to play better. Like they have to execute better than what they have in some of these games as of late. But I still think this is a good team. I still think this is a team that um, should win the majority of their games at home. And when you go up a team that, I'm not going to call them bad or anything, but we'll say they're not elite, they should be able to take care of business. I, you'd hope so. But, but again, they have to prove that they can do that. This is a team that has the shown... The power's gone out on the beam. Yeah, uh, the, and it's the, like beam, the rest of Sacramento. The beam, we talked about it uh, after the game. May, maybe the best and worst thing that ever happened oh, to the it's city. The worst, because when it doesn't get lit, it is just <laughs> it just ruins everything. Oh, it's just the a, doom and it's gloom. A bad. Joko <laughs> is so sad afterwards. So it just sad. absolutely ruins everything. So if you want a chance to have your night ruined by the beam not being lit, uh, we've got tickets to see the Sacramento Kings uh, take on Canada. Coming up on January 25th, uh, caller number three right now, 916-909-1320. Jesse, will get you all set up. Again, tickets to see the Kings uh, and Toronto, January 25th. Caller number three, 916-909-1320. Yeah, it's a downer, man. It is a downer when you're at the game and you're, you've got someone who flew across the country to see that damn beam and marginal contact is made. Uh, to De'Aaron Fox. What the hell was the contact that De'Aaron made to Dennis Schroeder if, if, if the contact to, to Russell Westbrook to De'Aaron Fox was marginal? Yeah, that's a good question. No. Yeah. Uh, See, and, and that's what we go back to. Like, you, you can't leave it in the hands of the judges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, 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 as frustrating as those moments are, because there have been a lot of them, you have to play better leading into those final moments. Yeah. Well, that and you can't just assume that De'Aaron Fox is going to hit every single bucket. I actually thought he was yeah. going to hit that last shot. <laughs> it, it, was, it wasn't all. Like if he gets a shot, like I think he's I, a I little think long, could, but it was right down the middle. It's going to be a beautiful celebration. Yeah, scored 17 points in the fourth again. It, like, it's, was it was incredible. Out. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. Can, can I ask both of you guys something about that real quick? Because no. there was something that, uh, that I saw during the game that I was like, man, I wonder if this is an issue. Fox is going off again, right? Fox is killing, absolutely killing, making everything. And then there was like a couple of possessions when they tried to run some for Kevin Herter, and it felt like everybody had just spent the last five minutes watching De'Aaron Fox, and there was nobody in rhythm, hmm. and it was just off. And then it was like De'Aaron was like, all right, well, I tried to pass. We got to win. I got to go back to work. <laughs> so, like, do you – did James, did you see – did you kind of see the same thing? Like, is that – it's crazy when a guy's playing that well in a clutch. Like, it's not his fault, like, that he's making buckets or whatever the case may be. But say he's doubled and they have to find somebody to hit a shot, is that a, a bit of an issue that these guys have just spent the last couple of possessions watching and they're not ready Pass to Pass it back after the double. <laughs> I can tell you, in the fourth quarter, the Kings had two assists, and oh. I, I am not going to blame De'Aaron Fox for that because I can tell you that Kevin Herter went 0 of 5 from 3. Mm. Uh, Harrison Barnes went in the 0 for in 1. the quarter in the quarter in mm. the fourth quarter he went 0 of 5 mm. in the fourth 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and like I said, I don't even bring that up to like blame De'Aaron. It's just a weird quirk. No, maybe. De'Aaron did what he was supposed yeah, to do. Yeah, like, no, like, he, he did his job. It's just like a weird quirk where it's you like, know, damn, these guys, you know, what can they do to feel more involved maybe? Or something? I'll say this. Like, there is a way in which I believe that you do kind of turn all your, your teammates off in those situations. And that is a guy who just keeps going in the post calling for it and for like 17 consecutive plays you try to score at the basket right and it becomes like this really slow methodical thing or if De'Aaron Fox was to dance around on the perimeter for eight seconds every single time and then he just keeps dribbling and dribbling everyone's standing there but that's not the way Fox is playing Fox Mm -hmm. is playing like balls to the wall that's he's just flying up and down the court he's getting he's breaking down their defense so fast so if you're not ready in that situation, that's on you. Yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, because I he is like he's going for it, and you've got to respect that he's he's making them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can sit there and go, "Oh man, I can't believe he just pulled up for that twenty foot fallaway jumper." Well, it was pure. Mm-hmm. Just keep going. Just keep. Everyone has to keep up in those moments, and uh, and I, I'm I don't have anything to like. De'Aaron Fox in the fourth quarter is is one of the best players in the NBA. Phenomenal. What yeah, he did, fourth quarter Fox is what, like literally such an elite player. It's crazy. What he did on Saturday was crazy. Some of the the fallaways and I mean, like you said, just pure, like just yeah. pure shots going through. Like, That's why Ufunga was, was rocking his jersey yesterday. Yeah, man, you know what it is. We'll come back. We'll talk more Kings basketball. We'll gear up for the Kings in Orlando when we return here. D'Lo Casey, James Ham on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN thirteen twenty. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. D'Lo and Casey. D'Lo and Casey continues on ESPN 1320. Appreciate you for being with us. We've got the national championship coming up at the top of the hour. The dogs and the frogs. Uh, Texas. Who you got, James? Uh, TCU and Georgia. Uh, I'm going to say TCU. Okay. He's, he's, he's going for the Cinderella story. That's, that's yep, it's a good story, and why not? I ain't mad at it. It's too bad they lost that. 
it'd be a little bit more intriguing. I mean, it's not the game's intriguing. It's the national championship, mm-hmm. but you know, just to have the luster of two undefeated teams yeah. uh, playing in the national championship would be good. But we've got you covered on that game. You can get full coverage of it here. Uh, on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN thirteen twenty. Of course, we've got Kings basketball tonight. Kings taking on the Orlando Magic at the Golden One Center. I was going to ask you, can the Kings like what do the Kings need to do to get back on track? But I think the pro- more like the the first question leading into that might be, are the Kings in fact off track? Like, do you feel that they're are they fluttering? No, I think it's ebb and flow of the season. But the problem is that you're having you're having one of the the valleys. Mm-hmm during a time where you need a peak because of your schedule. Because there's going to come tough times. Well, you need a valley, too, because of the way everybody else is playing. Or you need a peak, I mean, because everybody else is in the valley. Yeah, I mean, you could have... Like, Some would say down in the valley. Like, put yourself way up. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I see <laughs> Thank that. Thank you, folks. Thank yeah. you, everybody. I'll be here all week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just... You got the Suns losing six straight. You got the Clippers losing six straight. You kind of look around. Everyone... It's Everyone. still it's still amazing. Like they're just right there, two games above five hundred in in the fifth spot, because of the way everyone else is playing, and not because of the way that they're playing. Hmm. And that's the that's the thing that is encouraging and discouraging. Yeah. You you know you got to say well somebody's got to do something at some point. You would think, yeah. You know, but may. But maybe they don't. We, well, we, don't we, know, we, we talk about runs like, you know, like Dallas. Like Dallas is in the position they are because of the, the, the run that they went on. Sacramento was two games above 500 because of the seven-game win streak. Los Angeles right now is on a run. They're playing good ball right now. But they're still, they're, they're still like a little, you know, back a ways. Mm-hmm. They're having a run. Is Like what's that run ultimately going to do? Is it going to put them in, in a better position when Anthony Davis returns? Yeah. Is, it, is, is, is this run real? Like is this team really finding its groove and they're going to build something? Or is just this their run of the season that every other team seemingly in the conference has had and they'll fall back to those ebbs and flows of the season? I mean, you know, any team, I love LeBron James. It was a thrill to watch him on Saturday. But every team that he's on gets a little sketchy around the trade deadline because they all know the narrative surrounding LeBron James. There's this belief that LeBron James is running every team that he's on. And what's that mean for his teammates? Like, what do they got to go through for the next month or so? Well, they're rolling right now. And how does that affect their play? But Denver, Dallas... 76ers, then they get the Rockets and Kings, but Memphis, Portland, the Clippers, like their schedule gets tough, and then all of a sudden they got a five-game trip that's Boston, Brooklyn, uh, New York, Indiana, and the Pelicans. So, And that's leading up to the February 9th trade deadline. Should mention this. Uh, it's not Kings-related, yeah. but you mentioned Brooklyn. Kevin Durant out the next month. That's it's the hottest team in the league. They've won, yeah. I think, 14 of 15 and 17 of 19 or yeah. something like that. Uh, and whatever momentum they've built, they're going to have to build on with Kevin Durant out. Yeah. yeah. Kyrie's Weird injury good. got rolled up on yeah. yesterday. That was that was tough to see, too. Um, that happens to him. Yeah. yeah. With, the, um, with the Kings, though, the, the thing that, for me, has been a little jarring, and now I'm trying to decipher if it's, you know, something that's jarring and – is is a trend or it's just virtue of what happens when they play well. Those last two games, you know me, you know how I feel about this team. I know everybody wants to see more defense from them. 
But to me, that's their that's their basketball. When you talk about 136, 134, I think the Atlanta game was in the 120s. 120, 117. That's, the, that's Kings basketball. That's where, that's where I've said for a number of different times throughout the season, they bring you into the deep waters of scoring. And can you get – they're going to get to 120. Can you get there? And they've been able to lately, the other team. And that's something where it's like, ah, I, I'm not going to ask them to score more. You know what I mean? They're going to have to get some selective stops. And they, they show – like in the, even in the game on Saturday, they did show that they can get to get some stops. And that's how they got back into the game because I think it was a nine-point game with like five minutes to go. And they got, they got the stops to get it. Well, they eventually tied it or whatever. But I remember the moment I was talking to Trista as we were in our seats. I said, it's nine points. They'll get it to two. They'll get it to two at some point. The question is, are they going to be able to get over the hump and finish that thing? They did get it to two. They weren't able to finish it. And that's kind of the same thing that happened with Atlanta. They didn't play, like, particularly well the whole time. But it always reminded me of, like, that Detroit game they had earlier this year where they didn't play well, but with three, four minutes to go, they did something on the defensive end, turned it up, knocked down a bunch of threes, and they pulled that game out. That's what the Atlanta game was, except then they didn't turn, they didn't pull it out. And that's what's got me a little off kilter. And I don't know if that's just, you know, uh, indicative of a bigger problem or if it's going to be one of those things. You're not going to win all these close high-scoring games. You're going to lose some just by the virtue of the fact that you don't play defense. That's what I'm trying to decipher right now. Yeah, I mean, even if you're playing good defense – these are still, I mean, they still have LeBron James mm-hmm. on the Los Angeles Lakers. They still have Thomas Bryant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, but they the still have Bryant. Russell Westbrook. They still have Dennis Schroeder, who should be an 80 or $90 million player, but decided to not take that contract and now plays for mm-hmm. pennies. Um, his agent didn't. It's his agent's fault. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. We for need them. to make it a strong habit of blaming agents for this and not play. And he still has a phantom. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you this too. He's <laughs> uh, not starving. The Kings, over the last. You know, we're we're looking at a six game sample size now, right? They're three and three over that, but they have a one point win, a one point win, a two point win, and then they have a three point loss and a two point loss. Like we are, the sky is falling. This is some chicken little stuff we got going on right here. That the sky is falling. This team is bad. And they're going to sink into oblivion, and that they're horrible. But they still are two games over five hundred with six winnable games stacked up in front of them. It's just at some point you're going to need to figure it out. You, you you can't keep playing this type of defense. And to watch them go from like, I think they got up to like 15, but they were 15th with a possibility to get up to 12. And now they're at like 25 in defense. And it's plummeting. Like what they've done over the last like 10 games, their defensive rating is like 121. It's just like. 15 with the hope of getting to 12, 25 with the hope of getting nowhere. Yeah, because if you're 25, you're not Except going 30. to playoffs. Yeah, you know the other the other thing that I think uh, has people feeling some type of way and, and a little concerned is the the games they're losing. They're not losing to the upper echelon of the NBA. Nobody's nobody's mad at Lakers them. Lakers are lo- below them. Yeah, no, nobody's mad at them for losing to Memphis, right? But you look at Charlotte, Washington, the Lakers, and Atlanta, and it's like, oh man. Come on. Yeah, but That's where are those teams going to be at the end of the year? Atlanta's okay. Atlanta's already back in the playoff picture. Charlotte's going to be in the top. Charlotte's five in might the be the NBA worst team in the league right now. Uh, Washington, yeah, well, ain't I think make Detroit the still owns that. Detroit, uh, record-wise, I think I think Charlotte's the worst, aren't Charlotte's, they? Charlotte's uh, the 14th in the East. Uh, okay. They're they're a game ahead of 
Detroit, who has 32 losses. They both have 11 wins. And Houston is 10 and 30, so uh, they're a half so game that, behind Charlotte. That's well. Let's make get, sure that number stays at 10. Yeah, please. <laughs> that, that, that's my point. That's where you get to this week, right? Yeah. Where it's like, damn, come on, man. Like, Where did you say Orlando was? Um, Orlando's actually got a decent record, I think. Do they? Like Orlando's like, 15 and 25. It's not, 10 games. It's not it. as bad as Yeah, I, okay. You're right. It's not. Yeah, yeah and Ben, ben Carroll is just running away with the rookie of the year. I'm just absolutely running away. I mean, that guy's just a stud. Yeah. Start the conversation. I don't know why the Kings didn't draft him. <laughs> Paolo Bancaro, the new Franz Wagner. I don't know why the Kings didn't just draft Paolo. Yeah, or why they don't just trade for him right now. No, that's not happening. Uh, you don't trade 20-year-olds when you're you're building from scratch. You might trade 25-year-olds if you're building from scratch like the Utah Jazz are. So. Oh, man. Are you, have you, are you, are you, are you concerned, Hammer? No, like, I don't think I'm concerned as much as I am, like, there's got to be a big red button that says trade, and and I want to see it. I I don't need to wait another month. I've seen this team long enough. It's almost been 40 games. We've seen the roller coaster ride. We know who they are right now. We know what they need right now. What is it going to cost you? How long... Does it cost, you know, how many years out do you have to trade? Like, what is it that you're going to get hit with right now? And can you, can you swing something? And I'm on the phone with Atlanta and trying to clear up my pick with them and seeing if I can get a player to, to give them an unprotected pick in 2025. So now I got my 2023 and my 2027 to go out and make some noise with. But like this team, again, it's, one or two small pieces away from being like a five, six, seven in this year's West. But this year's West might not be next year's West and the year after that. And if you want to start building towards something, if you want to start building towards not just a team that makes playoffs once, but a team that can be a perennial playoff team and a potential to go and take that next step and possibly be a championship contender at some point, you know you're a piece, a, a huge piece away from that so if you can go get it right now go look for it go go search it out and and hopefully there will be sellers um you know and and i don't know if laurie marketing makes you a championship contender in two years but he might i don't know if og ananobi does that but he might so it just really does depend on you know what's it going to cost and jump on board right now while there's not as much competition i, I would say I, I don't think that Like, the floodgate hasn't opened up yet. So get in early. Overpay. Like, I don't care. You're the kings. Overpay. Hmm. But go get that player that that makes you a legitimate, legitimate contender in two years. I want to get to Sam real quick, but you concerned? Um, If not yet. Ask me on Monday. I'll ask you you Friday. Next Monday? Okay. Ask me on Monday. All right. How I feel about I might this. ask you. I hope I don't have to ask you Thursday. <laughs> um, let's get our brother Sam in here. 916-909-1320. Sam, what's happening, man? Hey. Good day. Hey, thanks for one of you gentlemen to chat with me real briefly at the Lakers game. I appreciate it. It was me, KC, hey. man. It was good seeing you, Sam. Hey. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. You're a cool cat. Hey, can you uh, realistically right now give me two players or two teams that the Kings can trade for and make them a better team? 
and the players the Kings are going to give up, whether it be, uh, you know, whoever it might be. But can you give me two players or two teams that the Kings realistically can make a trade for right now and make them a better team? Mm. We appreciate you, Sam. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll let you rock because I think I know – I definitely know the first name you're going to say. I, I think I know the second one. Well, I mean, I, I've said it like a million times. Yep. I, I think Mason Plumlee is the right player for this. Actually, team. that yeah. was my second one. Yeah, and and PJ Washington is right there. I also like it. It just depends on what. Okay, well, I sw- I'm swinging and missing <laughs> everywhere. I thought you were going to we'll say, say Lori. Yeah, I thought you were yeah. Gonna yeah. Say Lori that's your then. shade and sharp, Lori Marketing. <laughs> well, except for he's really, really good. Have you seen Shade and Sharp? <laughs> he's been he's been good. I know, I know. The man's 19 years old. Yeah, like like I I think that there is a deal out there, but. Unless we peel back the layers and we actually know who's is it, become available, so so it's, I'm going to pull pull back to a conversation we, we, we uh, uh, that we were having earlier. But hypothetical fantasy land, you land Lori, right? Let, let's let's go with that. Like, okay, okay, you get that. That'd be awesome. Don't you? You you probably still need to go get Mason Plumley though. Yes. And, okay. There's yes. There, there's probably because. With all due due respect, like those aren't the same tier of players, like a but 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 a but a Mason Plumley addresses a an issue, a clear issue that the Kings have. Laurie Markkinen probably makes the Kings a lot better. But the the thing for me in that, and James, tell me if I'm off, is they. I think the Kings only have room for one move. So you got to decide if it's going to be a big one or a little one. But you no. don't have. Well, so if you make the little one, how are you going to make the big one? Because this team has a bunch of second round picks, the, that's not the big. That's not going to be the big one. No, no. You to make the OG. little one, to make the little one, you got enough second round picks and you got enough expiring contracts to make it work. And, and to make a big move, again, you have to look at Utah in a different way. Like Utah, if if you were, you could go to Utah with a guy like Rashawn Holmes because Utah is they're faced with a situation where they know that they're not going to be good for a couple of years. But in the NBA, you still have to be within ninety percent of the salary cap, so you got to you got to like load up your salary no matter what. So for them to pay Rashawn Holmes eleven and a half and twelve and a half million over the next two years, that's not a big deal for them. So as long as you're making enough of a of a play, where Mason Plumlee makes like nine million bucks, and the Kings have you know Alex Len at four, they got Terrence Davis at four, they've got. Uh, you know, Chemezi Metu at two. They've got Trey Lyles at two point six. We're still talking about like players on on guaranteed contracts for this year. Mm-hmm. Even you've got uh, Matthew Dellavedova at two point six million bucks. It takes two of those players to go make that deal and to go get the player that and and maybe a second round pick in order to rent Mason Plumlee for the remainder of the season because he's a, a restricted, I mean, unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Then you go look and see what you can do with all this other stuff. Like, do you have enough to go get a, a guy like Laurie? And again, Laurie, the reason why I keep bringing him up is number one, he's 25 and he fits your player arc perfectly. Number two, he's under contract this year, like 16, five, 17, five, and like 18. So you don't even need that much to go get. Like, again, we're talking about, you can get a, just like, don't, don't like think I'm saying this the wrong way, but like, just salary cap wise, not considering what you're going to have to give up in addition to salary cap, you can give up Rashawn Holmes and almost any one of those players that we mentioned to get like a Davion Mitchell, like salary wise, they match to go get Laurie. Now, 
are you going to have to give up two first-round picks on top of that? Yes. Um, even if you were to give up Keegan Murray, Keegan Murray makes a ton of money. He's a fourth pick in the draft. He makes like $8 million bucks, $9 million bucks. Mm-hmm. So it does, it, all it takes is that and Alex Lynn and one other player, and you got the deal done. So like, there's a, a lot of ways that Kings can do things here. The Kings could even take back Rudy Gay in a weird deal to like placate the the Jazz because he's got a six point five million dollar player option for next year that he's Ooh. most certainly going to pick Ooh. up. Well, no, it's okay though. You stretch provision him, and oh it my breaks, god, is that still the thing? Yeah, it breaks it up. His contract is six million bucks over you three. Bring years. back the amnesty clause. <laughs> yeah, but if you if you stretch provision him, you free up four million dollars right away, and and you pay him two million three years in a row. That's no big deal. I have a question. Yep, I'm going to ask it. I'm a broadcast journalist. And it's gonna piss is a it lot a two-part question? Nope. <laughs> nope, because I'm a more responsible broadcast journalist, and it's going to piss people off, and I understand that, but I'm asking a question. Do you call Charlotte and ask them about the other guy? No. Which one? Under no circumstances? No. Okay. Oh, no. I'm just asking. Mm-mm. So his. So is that individual's career just over? Somebody will give him a shot, but I don't think it needs to be the Kings. I mean, talk about a player who would fit. I mean, but you just can't. I don't think you can do that. Can't touch him. I don't think you can do that. Okay, you're you're both saying the same thing. So his career's over then. I just want to make sure we're establishing that young man. The Kings can't do it. Well, I heard that the the rumor that Charlotte had initiated conversations with him was not was not factual. So I don't think his career's over though. Like it may take hmm. a year or two, but I don't think it's, it's career's over. How long has it been? Well, it just is this the summer. first season? Yeah, oh, this first season. Okay. Yeah, I mean All he's right, gonna I'm have s- a tough time climbing back in the league. Um, like and rightfully and, and so. And I don't and I don't even I don't even want to be like um, I'm not not sensitive to what happened, but then he was doing stuff before that. Like if I'm trying to sign it, like this guy's he's a wacko. Like his decision making is off. Like how can I trust him to do anything? Okay. I'll tell you this: they they do have like a a couple of guys here in Sacramento that could give them an honest answer about what he's like off the court. Mm-hmm. They not only did Jay Triano spend a lot of time, but also one of the other Kings assistants. And then on top of that, Michael uh, Media Relations was mm-hmm. in Charlotte for the last couple of years. They they know who that that guy is and could give you an honest assessment. Let's just save PJ. I'm all for that. I've been all about yeah. saving PJ. Uh, we have to go. We have, uh, with Jesse Terms, a hard out right now. Uh, college football championship coming up next here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Go Kings! Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.